Okay. Okay. We are live. Episode 103. We're going to do something very interesting. The first time in 103 episodes. No, 102, because this is going to be a 103. Um, we have two CPG founders. We usually have a service provider and a CPG founder or, CEO, or a CEO. This time we have two founders, and we are going to talk to both of them and just deliver some gems starting right now. Joel Lonka, Prohibited Provisions, Jimmy Freeman, No Baked Cookie Dough. Welcome to the show. How's it going, Mark? Great to be here, Mark. All right. I'm going to address each of you individually to make this seem, it's going to be like a real interview. It's just going to be just, okay. Joel, Give us a story about Prohibited Provisions. When did it start and what's it all about? Yeah, we started about five years ago. I will admit I slow rolled it and did my days at the farmer's market. Um, and this past, uh, I would say about 12 months, year, um, I've been treating it like a full-time business. So going from a hobby business to um, really starting this thing up. And Prohibited Provisions was created out of my love for cooking and see an opportunity for a brand in the space that appealed to me, uh, what I like to call a modern day cook, modern day chef that wants to get creative in the kitchen, get bold. And that's what we're all about. We give at home chefs a convenient way to cook more boldly. Um, and our first product line is a modern day take on chopped garlic mixes that you'd get in a jar. I like that a lot. Jimmy, we're going to do the same thing. Give us the story. When did it start? What's it all about? Yeah. So back in March, 2017, my wife and I both ended up quitting our jobs and deciding to make safety, edible, bakeable cookie dough. Um, also did our time at the farmer's market, uh, spent about a summer doing that and then opened up our first dessert shop. Um, and over the next two years, we opened up eight more shops uh, where we sold our products kind of in like an ice cream shop setting, but instead of ice cream, think cookie dough. Uh, and then as the pandemic rolled around and like over the last year and a half, we really pivoted the company into, instead of being like a dessert shop experience-based company into a product-based CPG company. I mean, a lot of people had to make a lot of changes. We made a lot of our own. Um, and now we're just kind of figuring out how to have like a rebirth of the brand and, and the company in the grocery store, as opposed to like our own branded shops. Joel, give us that, uh, that farmer's market. What, what did you do? Where was it? And how did you sort of approach that for anybody who's, who's starting out, which I, I'm a you know, proponent of. I talk about it often. Uh, starting small, you go to farmer's market, sort of hand-to-hand -hand transactions, get some feedback, really understand what the buyer looks like, how much they're willing to pay. Do they like the product? Do they not? G give, us, give us your take on that. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a crucial step for us. You know, I think if you talk to a lot of founders, they say, you know, get feedback from consumers as much as possible. And that was the great part um, about farmers markets. I had an idea and a new product that while it existed, we have a pretty interesting new spin on it. So the farmers markets were absolutely great um, for us. Uh, we're based in Denver, Colorado huge farmer's market community there. So working with the local markets to get a tent set up. And then it was, you know, I can't put a, um, a number of value or the importance on testing with people. Cause again, we have a garlic product, but it's almost like a dip that you can cook with and just seeing people's reactions and giving us feedback as they're eating garlic on a chip. 
um, helped us and set us up um, to get into major retail and um, a lot of good learnings. We started out with four SKUs. They were all the same color. We weren't using different colors to visually show that like getting learnings from that allowed us to excel and get into retail. And we're approaching this fall will end up being in 200 retailers. And so the feedback we got from farmers markets around our product, optimizing that to even packaging helped us significantly. Jimmy, your turn. Let's talk farmer's market. What did that look like for you guys? Did you, did you get the same thing, same sentiment as, as far as what Joel's talking about? Yeah, I think uh, the farmer's market's actually what drove me to quit my job because I quit my job about two, three months into the business. We had this one specific market where it wasn't necessarily a farmer's market, but a maker market. So like, think like, you know, people sound like dog treats, food, like crafts, all kinds of stuff. And it was about two, three months after we started the business, there was, it was a rainy-ish day. And it was crazy to see that that specific day, we had this line of people that started buying product from us and we were sampling and selling. And before we knew it, it had been like three hours of just constant people buying the products, people buying our cookie dough, trying it, having a really good reaction. Um, and that was the moment for me where I was like, we're on to something. This is crazy. So I like cannot stress enough whenever I meet people who are getting out like to start a new food business, like get into your local community, go to the farmer's market, find some people that want to try your product and just get the food out there. I mean, we all work in food. And the coolest thing about that is like you can get immediate feedback from customers anywhere. Because if you've ever asked someone, hey, do you want to try this like snack or do you want to try this like cool new thing I've made and it's food? Of course they do. So I always got a kick out of the fact that like you get to get there in front of the customer and then like hear their immediate thoughts on like what you're doing. Um, and I think it gives a lot of founders a lot of confidence. It gave us confidence. And these are real customers. These are people that you don't know. As I like to say, you can't just ask your mom because she no. sometimes <laughs> is going to fib to you. She will tell you things that you want to hear, or at least some of our moms will. Um, shout out, mom. Uh, let's talk about uh, the transition maybe from farmer's market and even just commercialization, Joel. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if we're there yet, but are you testing in some retail or are you just purely direct to consumer right now? Which again, we can talk specifically about because as you are in this farmer's market mode, you can be building out the websites. I talk often about that very inexpensively today, the Shopify's of the world. You, you don't even need to have a background um, in, in websites or, or the like. They're very drop and, drop and shop and stuff like that. So um, I made that up by the drop and shop. I, somebody can trademark that anyway. Uh, Joel, go ahead, give us, give us a lay of the land on that stuff. Yeah, so I mean, you're, you're hitting us at a great time, Mark, um, to hopefully help some other founders because we, again, are going to be in three different regions with a major retailer this fall. And so we're approaching 200 stores um, in the specialty food um, space. And then we have specialty retailers, too. Um, but right now we're making that giant leap, a lot of growth, a lot of good things, a lot of stresses. But to get there you know, I planned ahead. I went from small shared kitchen where I'm taking a spoon and jarring by hand to quickly saying, I plan on eating some costs up front. I ended up getting a co-packer earlier than most people. And so I put that in place 
two years ago when I was still just doing small farmers markets. So once retail hit, we were ready to go and we're finally there. And so I planned ahead, you know, um, things were a little bit more expensive on us before we got to retail and got to larger quantities. Um, but it's made things so much easier on us now that we are getting the retail attention and that higher demand and we're ready to support it. So that was a big thing for us as much as we've been smaller working the farmer's markets, knowing where we wanted to go and putting those things from a manufacturing standpoint in place pretty far in advance before we started getting the knock on our door. I like uh, a lot of that. And if you are starting out or if you're in that first sort of leg of the race, I would listen to that again. There is an approach to being calm, methodical, slow as far as growth and strategy. It's very difficult sometimes. I, I understand that. We all kind of want to race because we're looking at other things. We see things come down our feed and we're, we want to be that person too, or we want to be that brand as well. Um, don't get caught up in that if you can. Uh, and you don't, because there's just so many things that are going to come your way, obstacles, and it's a very expensive business, which again, I talk openly about. And so unless you're really prepared for all that, the latter piece I just mentioned, slow, methodical is probably the best approach. So good stuff, Joel. Watch that piece that he just noted. Jimmy, I actually want to talk specifically about what you noted in the beginning, which would be retail. It sounds like you guys have your own shops, probably small square foot, I don't know, 200 feet type of spot, I'm guessing here. So, so um, spots. Yeah, okay, cool. So um, uh, give us the lay of the land. What does that look like specifically? What did the first store look like and why did you go that route? Yeah, so I think, I talk openly about this a lot and I have this year specifically about how there's a huge difference between like direct to consumer retail, like you have your own branded shop and you go with like a grocery store. Uh, personally, like as our company has grown and as we've like been redirecting, we've been going more toward the grocery store route. I think why we chose the other route at first is it gave us the ability to bootstrap our business in a whole new way. So you said it before, like it's a really expensive business. You get into CPG, you start realizing like, these are not the greatest margins in the world. And they're never going to be. If you stick to making that really cool product you came up with in your kitchen, you're not going to end up having the best margins at first. That's just a fact. But when you're selling it to consumers out of your own branded shop, um, a lot of the times, if you have the type of product that lends itself to that, you can get really good margins because people are willing to pay more to you at the farmer's market, at your branded cool experiential store or wherever else it might be for your products they're willing to be like that customer. And so that allowed us to make the kind of money that allowed us to bootstrap our business. Um, I think we got lost in the facts that us as a company, we were a little bit more about our products than we were about that experience. So the pandemic actually helped us kind of refocus, which was great. Our sales actually doubled during uh, 2020, but it's all lends itself to the fact our sales doubled. Our margins were much worse because it's like this process of commercialization um, and this process of like figuring out like how am I going to sell this package good with other retailers that's that's been difficult and it's a difficult transition but I do think 
it's really important if you have a product that lends itself to that, or even if you can do more pop-up events um, or things that allow you to sell it directly to the consumer, you can get better margins and you can end up bootstrapping up a lot of money, a lot of cash flow that can allow you to go do things down the road um, that can help support you as you go into grocery. It's not cheap. It's not easy. Um, but if you're prepared and, you know, you have the track record of at least selling your product to customers and they're super excited about it. Like, you know, a lot of people will go the direct to consumer route immediately online. If you have a really shelf stable product, that's awesome. We, we don't. So um, even online is really hard for us. But at the end of the day, it's like finding that niche where I think you can find a way to get a really excited consumer, like people who are serious fans of what you're doing. For us, it's like people that really like, you know, flavor first to desserts. So like we try to make stuff that is non-compromised as far as flavor. Like we don't cheap out on ingredients. We don't try to like cut corners. That's not who we are. So like finding that customer that wants that and then allowing us to like get it to them in the most efficient way possible for us. Um, whereas like down the road, hopefully we'll get into grocery and we'll get into more retailers than we are right now. And we recognize that that's not going to be like the best margins, but it's like, at least we've acquired those customers. At least we have some kind of basis support, um, for the brand and like who we are. Fair. Um, the, everybody's going to go their own route. Uh, no matter what there, there's, there's a, there's something inside of each of us as a founder and we, we want to listen, we, we learn, or we should be, right, learning and, and understanding what the landscape looks like for our particular products, our category, uh, and, and going around choosing one. Many would watch and go, oh my gosh, retail, physical retail that we own and we have to pay the rent, and then there's a staff member and the like. A lot of people would say, wow, that's a tough one, specifically out of what we just came out of. But there are circumstances, there are stories that just simply work. You may have one and there are details, finite details within it that somebody would need to unpack. I, I will say um, there's a here, I'm in Marin County, California. Shout out Marin County. Uh, there's an ice cream store in my local town that's been there since I was a kid. Uh, I take my kids there and I always, I know the owner, I, I always think to myself, what are the margins in here on ice cream, right? Dairy and the <laughs> like, you know, this is real ice cream. None of this new, like, sorry guys. Uh, this is real ice cream, you know, like cream and stuff like that, you know, it actually tastes good. Um, um, and so you, there's just he big margins, you know, even though you're, you wonder, you're like, wow, that was only three bucks or whatever it may be. There, there are massive margins. Now you need volume. You, you need to have 200, 300 customers come through the door a day. And then you're like, well, what happens during the winter or whatever it may be? There's all these things, all these variables, but again, to each your own, you just need to know what it is that you're going into and why, and have an understanding for that. So Joel, back to you. What does the brand look like now, now that you've laid that all out there and have an understanding, a feel for, for what, because you were so methodical, where do you wanna be in 12 months with the brand? What do the products look like and how are you getting them into the customer's hands? Yeah, so for us, you know, an interesting case study for anyone is starting up, like. I'm still bootstrapping. I'm funding this myself. I haven't went and got funding yet. 
it's a really big undertaking and we're in three regions now. And with that, my plan is to hunker down, own those regions, don't do any more expansion just yet. Um, but I am going to start looking for some strategic funding and partners to kind of help with that within each of the regions and really own our first product line there because it is kind of a modern day first of its kind. And so get traction in those regions with that. And then maybe in about a year and a half, two years, start expanding more. Um, but what really has me excited, you know, prohibited provisions. I really started it to be the Red Bull, Red Bull of cooking. I have one product now, but I'm really trying to get at that, have fun in the kitchen, cook boldly, and there's a lot of legs to it. And so I'm excited five, 10 years out, the potential for prohibited provisions really tapping into a lot of different areas of the kitchen and cooking creatively. The Red Bull of, say it one more time. Cooking. The Red Bull of cooking. Gosh, that's so good. Uh, if you've <laughs> never heard of Red Bull, folks, uh, they basically, um, I follow that category fairly well. I have some buddies in, in you know, energy drinks and the light supplements. And the, uh, it's a fun category to watch. Um, anyway, so I just liked that reference. Uh, good stuff. I, I do like that. And I like that you can be laser focused on that mode, right? You know, you've kind of, as, as sort of simple as that sounds, you know, I want to be the Red Bull of, uh, you know? Yeah. But, but if you're really like, it sounds like you are, and I can tell just in, in nature, right? The personality, if you're calm and collective about every approach, um, you have a, a better chance. It's still very difficult. This is such a tough, business and i just say it plainly it is a tough business and not simply because oh my gosh your products and your brand has so much competition we all do i don't care if you're selling cookie dough or better for you kitchen products or whatever you know snacks or you're in the ice cream aisle or now you're plant-based and you got a new meat and we all do um but if you can stay hyper-focused on, on one thing, right? You're, I call it my why. Like I know what, you know, for us, it's a health and wellness platform. We know why, why are we doing this? What is this about? We will never get out of that vein, right? Never. Um, it does make it a little bit easier as you make all of these tough decisions. So that's my-, my Yeah, I think, I think to build off that, Mark, like you can't do- everything. Yeah. And the same thing, Red Bull started with an energy drink. They now have an F1 race car. They now have a media arm, but like you can't, as an entrepreneur, I think we'd all agree. You can't do everything. Mm -hmm. So make sure you're focusing where you need to, um, in the near term and you'll ultimately get there. Good stuff, Joel. All right. I put your info up there. You're going to close it out, Jimmy, too. Then I'm going to put both your info. Uh, so, Jimmy, same thing. Where are you going to be in 12 months? Where do you want to be? So, right now, our main focus is, like, finding the right grocery partners to help us get our brand out there. And for us, that just means, like, finding the buyer that gets the story, that understands what we're trying to do. We're really trying to, like, like I said before, be a flavor-first, indulgent dessert, like, I want to make products that taste really good that are made with high quality ingredients and don't compromise on that. And so it's like finding a buyer that gets that story. And it's like, this is cool. This is a cool place. 
for me and it's a cool way that I can reinvigorate a category that honestly has gotten really boring over the years like it's kind of sad but like there's two cookie dough brands that have essentially dominated the category for no apparent reason other than they're just the only ones there and being able to go into that category reinvigorate it and tell the stories we really want to do so in 12 months we're shooting for like who is that right retail partner that's going to help us get into like 500,000 stores and get our story out there in front of the customers that we have. Um, I think that's like where we want to be as a brand. It took a long time um, and a lot of uh, mistakes to get there. And I think that that lends itself to just like, if I was speaking to any other entrepreneur in food, I'm just like, look, you have your product to stay true to that. Sort of like what you said, you stick to the story, your why. Um, focus on that one thing. And you can try a bunch of different ways to get it out there. And if one of them doesn't work, you can easily go do another one. You just don't give up on the product. Yeah, so just, that's, just that's don't kind go of our too wide. Don't, don't go too wide, no. too fast. The, the, the inch deep model the is very real. The inch deep model yeah. is very real. Uh, good stuff, Jimmy. Jimmy, I put your info. Joel, your info somewhere here. First time we nailed it. Knew we would. <laughs> Two smart cats. Let's go. Uh, enjoy the week, fellas. Later, guys.